0: I have a picture here for you today. This is my great grandmother and my great grandfather. Uh, Ada A. Buckle, she was the superintendent of schools in Sedan, Kansas, uh, also a teacher, and uh, my uh, great grandfather, who was the sheriff of Sedan, Kansas. Uh, he, uh, was a pretty amazing man. In fact, I've heard some of the stories through my grandfather, uh, who told me, and then through my dad who told me stories that, uh, uh, about, uh, things that he knew. And, uh, this guy, uh, at one point captured one of the 10 most wanted men in the United States. And so that's a pretty significant thing for a little town like Sedan, Kansas. It's still just a blip on a map. I mean, you don't want to blink when you drive through it or you miss it. And, uh, uh uh, Alfred yates Buckles, uh, who was uh, the sheriff there, uh, there was a story that became a radio uh, was uh, was on a radio program that they had uh, that was uh, kind of uh, uh, the uh, cops of its day or whatever and and there was a situation you 'd see these uh, uh, back in that day, they didn't have a lot of, uh, uh, communication. And so they'd had the telegraph and then, you know, the telephone. But whenever something would happen, a bank would be robbed, say in one particular town, that sheriff, when they, the robbers left town would call the surrounding sheriffs and say, they're going, come in your direction. And, and we need you to help us with this dragnet, so to speak, to be able to get them. And so my grandfather, uh, great grandfather, he, uh, Uh, Alfred Yates, he ended up coming across this one particular group of bank robbers. And they were all sitting around a campfire, which, you know, today that probably wouldn't be the case, but they were sitting around a campfire. And so he surrounded them with the posse that he had because the other sheriffs hadn't gotten there yet. And then he stood up and he says, give it up, you're surrounded. And all six bank robbers took a shot at him. Now, fortunately, they had probably been looking into the fire prior to that. And so when they took a shot, they were a little bit blind. He unloaded his six-shooter, killed one, wounded five. I was like, man, what a shot. (laughs) I mean, that's amazing and an amazing story. And you think about guys like that. And I, I wondered, was he ever honored for that? My little brother went to Sedan, Kansas and, and, uh, to see, you know, kind of family history there. And, but I always wondered, was he ever honored? And he should have been. He, he deserved to be. He's one of these guys that just was doing his job, and he deserved honor. And yet, it made me wonder how many other people in life around us, around you, and around me deserve honor and have not gotten it. In fact, what you'll find is, and in fact, I, I love this little uh, deal that I saw. It says, the face you make when you see someone spending money, and they owe you money. That's the face, right? And I, and I thought about it, and I thought, this is the face that we have when we see someone being honored, and yet we know somebody else who isn't being honored, and we think they should be. And we we have that same face. Is that we struggle with that, wondering, why aren't they being honored? Who's responsible to make sure that this person is honored? And when I read this passage, I thought, it's on me. It's on me. I mean, read the passage with me. Romans 13, 7, just one verse. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. And what does it say? It says pay to all what is owed. That's on me. That's on you. I don't need to wait around for somebody else to honor these folks that are around me that have impacted in my life. I need to simply honor them because I'm indebted to them. My life is different because of them, people who fought for us, fought for our freedoms and gave themselves uh, what we celebrate or what we honor on Memorial Day when we honor those who have fought to give us the freedoms that we have, that we can, can live in a society that's pretty amazing, that a lot of the rest of the world is longing to get in for those who organized our country, our cities, our states, that I can live in an organized society. Those who have worked hard to provide for me, my parents, how they worked hard to provide for me in my growing years and to teach me just how to live life. And so you have Mother's Day and Father's Day, and we have these days where we want to recognize, but we don't want to just recognize them on one day out of the year. Those who gave us life, our parents, those who preserved our life, those who protected us, those who have taught us coaches, teachers, and those kinds of people around us, those who led us to Jesus, those who have impacted us spiritually. And I think all these different people, I owe a great debt. And it really challenged me this week to start thinking about that and start thinking about what am I doing to honor these folks? Because you see, I'm usually weak in honoring. I always, when something happens, when we get done with something, I'm, I'm moving on to the next thing and I forget. No, stop and celebrate what just happened. Stop and celebrate what just happened. And it's something that we as a church want to get better at as well, that we celebrate what God has done, that we take time to do that. In fact, we're going to have a, a, a student video for camp and just celebrate what God has done during, during, during that, one, that week. And so we look at these different things that God is doing in our lives and we think there are people that we need to honor. I think about this uh, guy named Richard Hampton, a guy that was really instrumental in me. Uh, when I first came to Christ, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I was excited about the Lord and then I got hurt by a particular person and, and, I, and I just kind of walked away from the ministry for about a year. And this guy named Richard Hampton was a guy who just kind of put his arm around me and and brought me back. I don't know where I would have been today if I would have stayed away. And yet, this guy, God brought into my life. And he was a guy that was very influential. He loved me. He cared for me. He prayed with me. He listened to me. Uh, He was a guy who loved the Lord deeply. In fact, I'm still, to this day, impressed with his ability to memorize Scripture. We would go on, on uh, trips together, uh, and there'd usually be a couple other guys with us, and so there'd be four of us. We'd go camping or we'd go do other things. And, and uh, uh, he would sometimes say, Hey, do you mind if I review uh, some scripture? And I said, Yeah, that'd be great that he's memorized. And said, What do you want to review? Uh, let's do the book of Colossians. Oh, you're going to review the whole book? Yeah, the whole book. And then he would just proceed to just review the whole book, and I would just. All the rest of us were kind of feeling more and more sheepish, you know, in the trip. And, and yet we were, it was so amazing to have this guy. And he just continued to do that. Scripture memory was, was one of his things. And, and, and I wouldn't doubt today that he has a whole lot of the New Testament, if not all of it, memorized. And a lot of other verses as well. He was a guy that uh, uh, was uh, baptized me. Because during that time i I was wrestling with the whole issue of, of uh, I was baptized in an infant, so should I be ad- baptized again and and you begin to and I wrestled with this whole you know baptized once for the remission of sins, which you see in the uh, uh, Nicene Creed, but uh, then you look at scripture and you see no it's for believers, and it wasn't for me as an unbeliever to be baptized as an infant, it was for me as a believer to take that step and and so After four years, after I came to Christ, I realized I needed to be baptized. And so he, uh, in Onion Creek near Austin, uh, baptized me at this church camp. And it was just amazing to to know what God has done in my life through him. And I thought, what have I done to honor him? And I I realized, you know, I I probably need to do something. You know, people that we've kind of not thought about, haven't seen in a while, that have impacted our lives, that we take time. To honor them, it's something God asks us to do. I mean, He says to honor those to whom honor is due. And and uh, now some have looked at this passage, and the first part of the passage deals with the governing authorities. And so some have said, well, this honoring is to be you know honoring uh, the governing authorities. And in fact, they'll look at 1 Peter two seventeen. It says, "Fear God, honor the king." And so they say, "See, there's a parallel passage." And uh, but then you also, when you look at this passage in Romans thirteen seven, it says. Honor to whom honor is owed. And then the very next phrase, "owe to no one anything except to love each other. And so there's a transition being made. Going from specific to general, going from the government to generally how we respond to other people and other believers. And so I think his focus here is really about uh, 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 transition to this general we are honoring to those who are around us that deserve honor. And so... Because God loves when we honor and when we celebrate. We don't think about God in that way. We don't think about God as one who who wants celebration to occur. And yet, why did he have three pilgrimage feasts to Jerusalem? Every year they would go, three times a year. Everybody in the country was supposed to go. And why were they going? They were going to celebrate celebrate God's provision with the harvest and just to celebrate God and his deliverance from from Egypt and, and you begin to realize every year three celebrations and these were celebrated celebratory times they were worship times but they were celebration baptism is a time of celebration where we celebrate what God has done in somebody's life and that they've come to Christ and so now we want to the public press conference where we can all share in that joy where we all get to participate and rejoice with those who are rejoicing in the salvation that God has brought. And you think, wow, God is a God of celebration and he wants us to celebrate the things that he has done. And so when we look at this passage, we have to understand it in that context. But that context is also a context that starts with the gospel. That it's not just a celebration that's just kind of random, but it's a, go- it's a gospel focused celebration, because that's where he starts the book. In Romans chapter 1 through 3, he deals with this fact that we are sinful and in need. of uh, We can't save ourselves. And then in 3, 4, and 5, he talks about this great salvation that's brought about by Jesus. In fact, when Martin Luther was studying the book of Romans, he comes across this section and he goes, faith alone, Christ alone. Alone. 6, 7, and 8 deals with sanctification. Where here's the theological aspects of sanctification. How it's supposed to work. And that we no longer fall into sin. That we no longer use grace as a license to sin. That wasn't the intention of God's grace. So that we would just sin so that grace may abound. He says, no, 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 no. That's not it. It's the sovereignty of God which he deals with in 9, 10, and 11. What God is doing, not only still doing with the nation of Israel, but what he's doing in us. And that we have a sovereign God in the heavens. And then all of this theology of chapters 1 through 11 is followed by application. What we believe and what we think is important to how we live our lives. And so 12 through 16, he's dealing with application. Based on the gospel message, living out the gospel in our lives. And part of living out the gospel is honoring those around us. Why is that? How does that fit? Because life is not about me. Life is not about you. God's done pretty well. Jesus has done pretty well the last 2,000 years without Greg Buckles on the scene. Just saying. Same with you right? He's done pretty fine without me. And he'll do fine in the future without me. And so when I begin to honor others, what it does is it gets me out of my own narrow little focus on me, myself, and I. It gets me out of my narcissistic ways, out of my egocentric ways where I'm focused on me. And you think, oh, well, I'm not narcissistic. Oh, you don't think so? How much time do we think about ourselves during a day? The minute I wake up, oh man, my hair's all messed up. Oh, I need to shower. I need this. And I'm thinking about me. Oh, I need to eat. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, there's other people here too. I guess I'll help them eat. You know, I mean, we do that. We, we get so focused about our own lives. It's like how much of my time is invested in thinking about me and how much is invested in thinking about the people around me. When we honor other people, it causes us to break out of that mode and begin, think about the people around us. And our dependence upon them. That we are a people that stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. We stand on the shoulders of the apostles. We stand on the shoulders of those who have been our Sunday school teachers. We stand on the shoulders of those who have mentored us. We stand on the shoulders of those who taught us how to read. We stand on the shoulders of those who taught us about finances. We stand on the shoulders of those who gave us our first job and our second job and the different ones along the way. We, We stand on the shoulders of so many people around us that when we honor people It reveals our dependence, our humility and dependence on those around us. And it gets us out of thinking about ourselves and on to other people. What that means, though, is that whenever we start writing to them or we start sending them a note to tell them that we need to stay, keep that focus because we can make a note of appreciation turn into a very narcissistic thing well, thank you for helping me because my life is going this way and my life is doing this and that, and, you know, thank you. It's like, no, let's focus on them. Let's say, here's what I see in your life. You're a person who is very giving and a very and, uh, uh, loves the Lord and is a great mentor and, and we focus on them. Whenever I'm looking for cards, birthday cards, mother day cards, whatever, and, I, and I, I pick them up, I can tell that quickly whether i want that card or not now it takes me longer to figure out which card i do want but i know which ones i don't want i don't want ones that say love is and love is and love is it's like well you can get that on you know google love and figure out what love is right you know you don't need definition of love and say oh here's you know i don't want ones that say oh i'm sorry i probably am bad at saying this but it's like i don't want to start with an apology that's not my focus for these times. I pick up these cards that say, you know, uh, uh, you are. Those are the cards I want. And then I start reading. Are these the things I want to say? You are loving. You are encouraging. You're you give people hope around you. You're you know, and 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 I love all these things about you. It's like that's the card I want. That's the things that we need to say. And and yeah, you want to say thank you for investing in my life because here's what you are. In fact, I think we have a hard time doing that with the Lord too. I think we have a hard time worshiping and adoring God because we always think in terms of what he's done for us rather than just who he is. And saying that, God, here's what you are. Here's who you are. You're the God of the universe. There is no one like you. There was no one equal to you. You are the God of gods and Lord of lords. You are from eternity to eternity. You are merciful and compassionate and kind and just and holy. And it's like when I start praying like that, all of a sudden I feel my heart lifted up. I feel the power of God. And it's like, wow, that's who he is. And I don't think we do enough adoration of God. And it's why we struggle with this issue of honoring others. I And the world's worst at honoring others. And so I was very convicted this week as I was wrestling with this. As I was thinking about when he started in the book of Romans. When he started, he was talking about what a person happens to a person who comes to Christ. And now these newly redefined people of God, because of the gospel, begin to live their lives differently. That we're newly defined. Who we are is different. We're a child of the king and so we live in a different way. And we live in such a way that not only grows in our own spiritual walks, but we begin to honor those around us. And we're focused otherwise on other people, on those around us, in their growth in the Lord, in their coming to know Jesus, in their walk in life, in their struggles that they face, in the pains that they have in this life. And those become our focus. And so I was thinking, one of the things, one of the applications that we need to have today and I want to encourage you today is to make a list. Make a list of those whose shoulders you stand on, who need to be honored. I want to encourage you to do that today. Don't put it off. Don't wait till later. Now you can't take on all of them at once. I mean, I'm not talking about okay, now you got to buy 40 cards and you're trying to put all these cards together and all that. No, plan maybe one a week that you would honor. One every couple of weeks that you would honor. And you make this list, and what you'll find is that list will grow. And think in different categories. Teachers I've had that have impacted me. Spiritual teachers that I've had that have impacted me. I think of one pastor that I need to, I need to write, and I need to just encourage him. Because it makes more, more difference than you can ever imagine. Imagine being a church family that as, as Paul says here in chapter 12 and verse 17, so here a little bit before that, in 12, uh, uh, 10, I mean, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. What if that was a contest that we had every week? I'm going to outdo you in showing honor. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to outdo you. Oh, no, you're not. And then we get a fight about it and put it on Facebook, right? Uh, but. The reality is, if we were really working hard to outdo one another by honoring one another, what an incredible church family that would be. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. That would be what God intends. He wants us to have that kind of church family that we love each other so much that we outdo one another in honor. So I want us to look at this first phrase says pay to all what is owed to them I want to stop at that because then he gives a list of four things this first phrase I think is really key to the whole process he says pay it's an imperative It's it's a command pay we obey God's commands when we carry this out and we've got to make a decision at this point am I going to do it or am I not am I going to do what God commands me to do yes or no This week I realized I need to say yes to that. I need to say yes to the Lord because pay doesn't have the pronoun in there, but it implies you. You pay. That's why I say that honor is on us. Whether anybody else is honoring this person or not, I need to honor them. It's on me. And who is it that I'm supposed to honor or why is it that I'm supposed to honor? Because I owe a debt. It says pay to all what is owed. Richard Hampton, I owe him a debt. My spiritual life is what it is today in large part because of how God used that man in my life. And so I owe him a debt. I'm dependent on that, and I I need to encourage him. And I think, have I done that? I know I've done some things, but have I done that? And so uh, in the next few weeks, that's one of the people that's on my list to honor because I owe it to him. He, I'm obligated to him. I'm a person who lives under obligation, under debt. And I want to not pay my debt so that now I'm out from under him. I'll always be in his debt. But I want to let him know, you are honored in my heart. You're honored in my life. And God it really used you in a significant way. And so we begin to make that list of those people we're going to honor. And then we think about how we're going to honor them. And and we'll talk about that at the end. How do we do this? What are the steps? Because he doesn't say how to honor in this thing. He just says pay to all. To all. Not to some. Not to just those I kind of like. And not to those I don't like. No, I'm supposed to honor all under who I'm indebted to. I need to take some time to think about the all of who that is. And for a guy who, who's not good at this, this is really a challenge for me. This is a little bit overwhelming to me to think about. So I'm with you. If you're struggling with this, I'm struggling too. Because I'm not very good at this. I get focused on one thing and it gets done and I move on to the next thing. And so I don't think I need to stop and take a moment and breathe and celebrate And enjoy the moment. And rejoice of what God has done. I don't take that time that's necessary for that to happen. And so we need to be a people that does something for everyone that we owe. That we do something for everyone that we owe. That we do something for everyone that we owe. And that that becomes part of our DNA, the DNA of our life, that we we do that. And some of you guys do it really well. Some of you send these random cards uh, or gift cards or, or do special things for people, and you're just really good at it, and we've got a lot to learn from you. I know I have a lot to learn from you. My wife is way better at it than I am. She's very thoughtful. She knows what somebody likes or doesn't like and and and, and just amazing. I'm just amazed by that. I, how did you know that about them? Because I listened. Hmm. You know, when you got the gift of gab, you don't listen as well. And so I've got to learn, and we talked about that a few weeks ago too, i got, I got to learn to listen better and to hear what it is about in people's lives that they care about. And so we... Do something for all, following God's commands. And it helps us to realize my life is dependent on those around me. Now, he talks about taxes and revenue. And so you know that at least these first two things are still following what he's talked about in verses one to six, when he's talking about our response to governing authorities. And, and there's a lot of questions there about how that should be handled and how these verses should be handled. Because uh, at times you think, well, what about unrighteous authorities? And what about when the government has gone a different direction? And you see that in Nazi Germany where, where they were saying, hey, you know, the government was saying, hey, you need to follow these verses and submit to the governing authorities. When is it? Right, not to. The disciples had to struggle with this, and they were willing to tell the governing authorities, Well, you tell us not to speak about Jesus, but God tells us to speak about Jesus, so guess what? Who we're going to obey? We're going to obey God. And so there's times for that. But you realize that what Paul is saying to a governing authority that wasn't righteous, the Roman authority, and Nero was probably, most likely, at the point uh, of either in rulership or just about to be in rulership when Paul penned these words, and he's saying, "We need to pay taxes. As Christians, we need to pay our taxes." And he's following the Lord's command when Jesus was asked, "Should we pay taxes to Caesar?" I mean, straight out, you know the answer. It says, "Whose image is on this coin?" He said, Caesars. And he said, so pay to Caesars what has his image stamped upon it. And pay to God that which has his image stamped on it. And what is that? Us. Not our money. It's us. It's our lives. And in fact, that's why the very first thing that Paul says after he gets through with all this theology for 11 chapters... Is give him you. Chapter twelve, verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Give him you, because you have His image stamped on you. And then he says, outdo one another in honor. In verse ten. And then he says, in thirteen to seven. Give honor to whom honor is due. That part of us giving ourselves to him is honoring those around us who deserve honor, who God has used and brought into our lives for a reason to keep us alive, to help us to grow in him, to help us to understand how to read so that we could read God's word. I mean, you think about all these different ways and all these different people that God has brought into your life that has shaped you in a positive direction. God did that. In his sovereignty, he brought those people around you. And so we need to honor them. We need to honor those who deserve honor. And so these first two are taxes and revenue. And in fact, the taxes, yeah, that makes sense. We, we pay those to whom? To, to the governing authorities. Revenue to whom revenue is kind of an interesting phrase. So the word teleos, which means end or complete or mature, and in this case, revenue. The person who had this title was actually the tax collector, had a name that came from this word. And so kind of the focus is you give taxes to whom taxes are owed, the governing authorities, and revenue to whom revenue is owed, those who collect them. You think, Wow. And so that's the focus. But then he begins to make a little shift here. And it's a significant shift. Because it, the word respect doesn't really do justice to that next word. The word that's translated respect is actually phobos or fear. And so it's the one fear to whom fear is due. This idea that not that we are trembling and afraid, but that we respect in a, in a, in a somewhat fearful way our God. And in fact, when you look at this idea of fear, it's not really often directed toward people. It's directed toward the Lord. That we have that kind of ultimate respect for the one who created us. The one who judges us. The one who judges those who are in Christ as not guilty. It's that one. The one who makes the decisions about life and death, about eternal destiny that we have that kind of respect. And so I think that this focus here is on God. So we pay taxes and revenue to the governing authorities, but then we ultimately focus upon the Lord. That he's the one that we show ultimate honor, ultimate respect to. And then honor to whom honor is due. There are a lot of people around us who deserve being honored. And the question is, is how? Well, in one sense, you have verse 8, "Oh, to no, no one anything except to love. And so one of the ways that we express honor is by loving those around us. But what are some practical ways? And I, and I was wrestling with this this week. I googled it some. I, I also just went through and looked at a lot of passages on honor. Because There are times that we need to do what I call, you know, it sounds topical, but it's actually a biblical theology on honor, that it's not that I'm just saying, okay, here's some things we need to do, and here's a good list, and here's a list I found online. No, that we look through God's word and says, what does he say is a good idea of things to do? So here's a list of some of the ways to honor others. I'd encourage you to write some of these down, maybe get your phone out and take a picture of of this slide. Um... Because here's some things that we could do. One is, let them know you're praying for them. It's one thing to, to be praying for someone. It's another one to let them know. And even more so, to let them know specifically what you're praying for. Not necessarily to write out the prayer, but just to pray. I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for encouragement. I'm praying that God, the God of all hope, will give you his hope. I mean, some of those things, I know you're going through praying, here's the God who is the great healer, and I'm praying that he will heal you of the pain that you are struggling with. To Just say some of the things that you're praying, because it's one thing to just be prayed for and you don't know. It's another thing for someone to say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. I did this this morning. Uh, I, as part of one of my applications is, is, I texted three pastors in town that God laid on my heart. And I just texted them this morning simply to say, hey, brother, I'm praying for you this morning as you deliver God's word. And I already got a response from two, and the other one probably just doesn't have his phone with him, and I'll I'll hear from him, I'm sure. But just let them know. It's an encouragement to know when somebody's praying for you, especially if you're going through difficulty. Invite them to go with you somewhere. It's a way of honoring someone, it's just spending time with them, investing in their life, buying them a meal, and you go out to, get to dinner together. Take them, if you have a boat, take them out skiing or, or, or just do something for them in a way that just lets them know that they're appreciated and loved. Let them use something of yours. Something that that you have that they need and that would benefit them, that would bless them, and just say, hey, uh, I want you to be able to use X, whatever it is. And so you do that. And it could be a lot of different things. It could be a vacation home. It could be any number of things. You just say, you know what? I'm just going to let you use this for the weekend. Give them a card, a gift card with a meaningful note. Don't just send a card. Say something about it. And, and if you say something that's nice, if you give a gift card that just kind of is another element above, it's a little more extravagant, which we'll talk about in a minute. Give them a break from the normal routine of life. Watch their kids while they go out on a date. Maybe even provide them a gift card for some place to eat. Maybe even a more extravagant with gift card and a, and a card for the movies and you just you just you just want to let them know hey I, I appreciate you and i know you've done a lot for a lot of people and so i i want to give you a break i want to you know let you invest in in you and your family give them an honored seat or parking and i was thinking about how businesses do this you know you'll have a a business and it has one parking space really close up that says you know uh ploy of the month or whatever. And, and I was thinking about that, especially when I read Matthew 12. It says, and in his teaching, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts and the great parking lot, space for their chariot. No, I mean, it doesn't say that part. <laughs> but you look at that and you think, wait a minute, uh, isn't that a negative? Yeah, but it, There are times to honor them. And in fact, as long as they're not honoring themselves. And in fact, that's the very next thing. Don't honor yourself. In Luke 14, uh, it says, But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. And when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. In Proverbs 25, it said, It's not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to seek one's own honor. That's not an honorable thing to seek your own honor. It's not about you. You make it narcissistic. You just kind of buy into the old thing that you were trying to break you from if you're looking for your own honor. If you're thinking, nobody's honored me. Nobody's noticed. It's probably a good thing because we just get the big head. God wants us to be those who honor those around us. And the focus becomes off of us and onto those who are around us. And so we want to uh, don't honor ourselves. We want to make them a special meal. That's another thing. And in fact, in John 12, it says, Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And I was thinking, oh, wow, Uh, they had this meal in Jesus' honor. And during that meal of Jesus' honor is the next thing, do something extravagant, and something extravagant happened. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped her feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And there's something extravagant, that was a very expensive perfume, and she did something extravagant for Jesus' And I think that that's something that should be in our DNA is that we do extravagant things for our Lord and some of those extravagant things are doing extravagant things for those whom God wants us to honor. And so we take that, take that lead of Mary and we, and we honor the Lord in an extravagant way. The next one was something I got from, Matthew, uh, from uh, Acts 28. It says, they honored us in many ways. And I was thinking, wow, so multiple acts of honor in a single time. Doesn't say what they did other than they provide supplies for their need as they were getting ready to ship out. But I was thinking, you know, there, there needs to be at times where we just have multiple acts of honor. And then the outdoing each other and showing honor that we got from Romans 12, 10. And then when we're saying something nice, say something that's unique about them. Not drawing attention to the way they look, but drawing attention to the character of their hearts. That these are things that you've noticed about them, that you see in their lives, that are meaningful to you, that have impacted you. And then the last thing, or the last few things, is ask them to share a victory. Ask ask them, instead of making statements about them, get together with them over coffee and just say, what are some things God has done? Tell me some things. Here's some things I see. Tell me what. And when we do that, when we allow them to do that, we're asking them, in a sense, to brag about what God has done. And it gives them great joy. You'll see the excitement in their hearts about these things and about these people they've impacted. Rejoice when they are honored. Sometimes we see somebody else being honored and we kind of oh, well, I did more than they did. Or I did something, too. And, and we struggle with honoring them. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, it talks about this very thing. In fact, it says, if one member suffers, they all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. It's those times of public celebration. Uh, and so we also want to honor those who sacrifice for the Lord's work. In Philippians 2, talking about Epaphroditus, uh, Paul says, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Give charity. Give to charity in their honor is another thing. In fact, uh, in Psalm one twelve nine, it says, He who is distributed freely has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. And so you give to one of their favorite charities it's an act of honoring them. And in doing all of this, when we honor others, we honor the Lord. Here's what God says, those who honor me, I will honor. And what does he ask us to do? Honor others. And when we're obeying him, we're honoring him. And when we're honoring him, God brings and is the one who is responsible for our honoring. Will that be here in this life? Maybe not. I've shared before about um, uh, in Chariots of Fire, Eric Little was handed a slip of paper when he had run a race, the 400, that he was not used to. And he ran it because he wouldn't run on Sundays because that was the day of rest. And he was committed to that. And so he wouldn't run his heat. And so he didn't get to run the 100, which was his race. And the slip of paper simply had this verse on it. And he was given that by a believing American runner to this English runner. Those who honor me, the good book says, the old book says, those who honor me, I will honor. God delights in honoring our lives. And that honor may not show up until we're with him one day when he hands out the crowns uh, that God has for us. But we have a God who loves honor. We have a God who delights in it when we honor those around us. So let's get better at it. Let's honor those to whom honor is due. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the fact that you love it when we honor those around us. We love it, Father, that you are a God who cares deeply about what we do and how we live our lives in regard to those around us. Help us to be those who get better at honoring those around us. Help us to be those who take some of these steps to to bring encouragement to those who have helped us in the past and maybe they're struggling right now and maybe they need to hear a word of encouragement. Help us to be that word of encouragement. Help us to outdo one another in honor. Help us to give honor to whom honor is due. Help us to be those who honor everyone. Father, help us to be those who pay to all what is owed. Grow us, Father, in focusing on other people rather than ourselves. Help us to rejoice with those who are honored. Grow us, Father. Help us to to understand that the gospel has a, a great impact not only in our eternal salvation, but in how we live out our lives. And help us to live out those lives by honoring those around us and ultimately in doing so to honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.